0: Well hello everyone, Alexis Brooks here from Higher Journeys back with another episode of Conscious Commentary. Hope this little podcast is finding you all doing well wherever you may be at the moment. I'm here in still chilly New England despite the fact that it does say April on the calendar. It just refuses to act like it. So I'm just going to be patient and trust that uh, I will see the flowers popping up very soon, and I have a feeling that is going to happen. It can turn on a dime, as we all know, for various reasons. But that's another story. <laughs> I want to piggyback on what I thought to be a fantastic conversation that I had with my friend and colleague Neil Kramer. Neil is uh, a self-described uh, consulting spiritual philosopher and a teacher, and he—he's not just self-described; he is a teacher and has. Uh, That is what he does primarily, doing what he called or teaching what he calls a philosophy for living, understanding this mysterious world in which we live, uh, whether it be from an exo surface, exoteric, a surface perspective, uh, or an esoteric beneath the surface, the metaphysical. And he has a great way of blending the two. I know Neil can be controversial at times because he is brutally honest. Some people can't take that. Some people get their feathers ruffled. Uh, <laughs> I have to give him i have to give him props for having the courage to say what is on his mind. Because after all, it, I don't have to agree with it. You don't have to agree with it. But I, I just appreciate someone that can be uh, brutally honest and uh, take that chance in ruffling a few feathers. But above and beyond that, I think that his general sense of Uh, which I would call an intuitive sense that probably he's had all of his life to tap into, reach into uh, what we call our 3D world and beyond and distill it in a way that I have never heard before. So uh, I thank him for that. As always, whenever I listen to him, he inspires so many thoughts in in myself. And so uh, today is no exception. I, I have listened to the show that we just did just last week. Uh, probably 10 times if I've listened to it once. Uh, And so many things, as I said, he's left me with. But this one thing I I, I thought I would do a takeoff on a little bit, sort of reiterating a couple of uh, points that he made right at the top of our conversation. My question essentially to him out of the box was this habituation to, to both copy, to Uh, behave as the collective does, to go along with a consensus, to pick from a controlled and contained menu of life choices, including language, etc. I wanted to know from him whether this this idea of having to pick a side, even, this or that. I'm either going to be a flat earther, he brought that up, or a round earther. (laughs) He said, you know what, I'm neither as if to say those are your only choices. But he started the conversation in kind of making that point in a roundabout way uh, with language and how language has really been used as a tool to control the thoughts as well as the menu, as he calls it, of choices for living for so many. Language has always been uh, important to me. I find it fascinating, whether it's our English language and even other languages, particularly our English language, because there, it's a comp- it's a complicated uh, lexicon that we have. So many, when, when you take the average word in English, and there are multiple meanings, not to, to mention looking into the etymology behind many words, their origins. So you could make a, a, a complete study. And in fact, many people have ling- linguists uh, and people that have studied language and their origins and how they've changed over the years. But I wanted to get into language as first, a tool that something that Neil calls empire, that which is a controlling factor has been for millennia uh, of society over the ages, and how they discovered that if you can control words, language, and moreover meanings, You can control the thinking of the people. Very powerful, very simple, uh, and and seemingly obvious, and yet very powerful, because it seems to be a playbook that they still use uh, end to end. If you can control the language of the people, then you can control the thinking of the people, and thus you can control the people. So language, I dare say, not every word, not all the time, but I have seen many instances of language being weaponized, being used as a social weapon to keep people in a form of uh, a view that's myopic. And from there, the menu of words that have been put out there And never the individual, part of the collective, never even thinking that you can go off of that menu. We talked about this. In fact, Neil spent a little bit of time talking about the menu of choices for life and never thinking that there's anything that exists outside of that menu, including language. If they can control the language, they can control the behavior. And if you refuse, or if you decide to acquiesce to the menu assuming that there's nothing outside of that, then you will indeed perhaps be under the spell of that control. You've heard that spell, spell a word. I think there's more to that than meets the eye, but that's for another time. You know, I want to bring up uh, a couple of things. I'd like to talk about some some words that um, have been, I guess, invented within the last several decades, maybe even less than that, a neat little website that I found. And it's just so interesting how something can be invented and spread like wildfire. And before you know it, everyone is using it. I, I, almost like a knee jerk reaction, not necessarily thinking about what they're saying, but let's just go over a few words that I, I find, uh, most of which you know, and perhaps use in some form or fashion. Uh, let's go through them really quick. And I'm not going to go into the definitions because you know most of them. Number one, blog. We know what that is. A web blog, right? Just about everyone has, not everyone, but a lot of people, including yours truly, has a blog these days. And we use it as if the word has been in our vernacular uh, forever. Google. I looked up where that word came from. You look it up. I'm not going (laughs) to there There is an origin for it. It's a mathematical origin, I'm told, but uh, Google, Google it. You know, if you want if you want to find out what where the term Google came from, just Google it. <laughs> Let's go through this list quickly. Mashup. a mashup, a mixture of stuff, I suppose. I guess it started with uh, combining songs and uh, making a montage, if you will. Mashup. Let's go through this quickly. Bromance. I have to tell you this is a word that I had never heard of before. Bromance. And that is uh I'll read this. This magical non sexual relationship between two men was coined by Dave Carney in the skateboard magazine Big Brother, but saw major use following Big Brother Seven. Uh bromance. Okay. Supercut. Cyberstalking. Omnishambles. Ever present shambles paywall muggle kind of sounds like google staycation not going anywhere just do a staycation sexting upcycle look of war hater that's interesting hater although it's it's uh its urban definition is or slang is someone that is a uh, jealous of somebody else, you're a hater. But I I pause on that one, because Neil spent a little bit of time talking about the importance of feeling, including expressing hatred. That was one of the controversial things he had to say, but I, I, I got his point on that. Anyway, okay, so there's the words. Now, here's the deal. How many of you out there use any number of these words, maybe even just one or two on a regular basis? Show of hands. Sorry, can't see you. (laughs) <laughs> I have a, I have a feeling most of you, including me, some of them. But did you ever stop to think that there are other uh, words that you don't hear too often, particularly because it seems like they're constantly putting new words with new meaning, new definition and wanting so desperately to have you integrated into your thinking patterns and behavior. So we tend to uh, forget some of the other phrases that we've used, or here's something else. Have you ever thought of inventing your own word? Now, this is where we're going to get into going off the menu a bit. I love the way Neil so lucidly spoke about this uh, assumption that people are delivered a menu of options, No matter what they are, menu of options for education, career choice, where you can live. What sex you're going to be these days. Oh, a whole bunch of things. And never thinking for a moment that or asking, as he said, are these my only options? That's a very, very powerful and fundamental thing. I'm not going to go out and say how many people are doing that and not, but I have a a funny feeling that many people get caught up in the menu that has been put before them, never questioning what other choices do I have. I want to, I think I'm going to take this time to issue a challenge since we're talking about language and I, and I do really feel that language is incredibly powerful it can be creative as well as destructive depending on how the words are used and the associations people make with them have you ever thought of making up a word yourself forget the menu what other choices do i have this is a little bit of a lesson in individuality and in, and in invention and imagination i want to tell you a little story when i was in school i can't remember what What great it was, obviously, pre college, uh, pre higher education, maybe even elementary school, maybe junior high school. I, in my infinite (laughs) daydreaming state, did that very well. I got an A on daydreaming. Uh, I made up not only a word, and I'm actually not going to share the word with you because it's (laughs) kind of silly. I'm going to keep that to myself, but it wasn't just the word. I actually created an image around it. This was. a a person or mm, some sort of a almost like a cartoon character let's just say and i don't know the word i just made up the word never heard of it no one had ever heard of it but i started to build a meaning around it and before i knew it i had an image in my mind of what that word meant and so I proceeded to draw a picture of the character that was associated with the word. And it went as far with, with complete detail, and I can draw it to this day. I'm smiling because it was as silly as can be, and yet powerful. And we'll come to that in a moment. I went as far as to even uh, develop that character's own language. A couple things that he would say it was a he, I believe, that went along with the name I gave him. I don't know, maybe this was the, you can argue that in in, uh, the continuum of consciousness, maybe none of us are inventing anything. We're just pulling it out of the ethers, the ether, and it's existing already. That's an interesting concept as well. But nonetheless, certainly didn't get taught to me in school. I came up with it. I love also what Neil Kramer had to say about a child and their imagination being so juicy, so unrestricted, unrestrained until it's ironically drilled out of them through so-called education. And here we are, many of us adults, looking for a predetermined menu to determine our life. I say, toss that. Maybe it's time to go back to our wild, juicy imagination. We talk about living a sovereign life, uh, a life filled with creativity, without limits. The only way you can live a life without limits is to take the menu, tear it up, throw it in the fire, and reduce it to ashes, the menu that undoubtedly somebody else created for you. So without going too far off the beaten path, here's my challenge to you. Since again, we're talking about language. Would you be willing to come up with a word that you make up? Never heard of it. Never heard it before. You might want to Google it <laughs> to make sure that it doesn't already exist. These days, it seems like everything does. Make up a word. I think this will be kind of fun. And I think if anything, it will it will illustrate to you, remind you that you have the ability to go off the menu and create for yourself and see what it does. I went through this exercise today and I want to share with you what I came up with. Here's the word. I'll share this word with you because it's not as silly as the one I came up with as a kid. <laughs> it's the word is in crib, in crib. I'm still trying to get the pronunciation right. It's spelled I N C R I B as in boy in crib or in cribbed. I N C R I B B E D. I played with this over lunch and I said, let me just see if I could come up with something. And and then the next thing i have to do is assign a value assign uh, a meaning to it here's what it means in crib to remain in a fetal position uh to be in a state of immaturity that would be in crib in crib nation oh she's so in cribbed she needs to grow up she's so immature acting like you're still in the crib get it it may sound silly to you it may sound I don't know super uh you know obvious but the bottom line is in in going with this challenge come up with a word see if you can justify it for yourself the, the way I justified this word is in a crib in a crib a baby in a fetal position that's not a bad thing we've got to go through that process but we're speaking more in a in sort of a um, colloquial obviously way uh it's really an insult to describe someone that way the collective is in such a state of incribnation. the collective is in such a state of immaturity so pick the word assign a meaning see if you can weave it into your own lexicon your own vocabulary and here's the dare go out and use that word and invariably the person's going to say what did you say you heard what I said. She's so encribbed. What is encribbed? You don't know what encribbed means. And you can kind of play with it a little bit. Let them know what it means. Where did you hear that word? I made it up. <laughs> you get it? What I'm trying to show here, everyone, is that we have the option, the choice to be in full and complete control of our lives, even down to the language we use. Now, I'm not necessarily advocating going out and just tossing every word you know, and every word you use and coming up with you might as well just come up with a new language, which I'm sure you could do. We do have to function in society. But the point is that you don't have to pick from a predetermined menu that they have decided is the menu. This little exercise of coming up with your own word and your own definition for that word and using that word, say it over and over again until it becomes a part of you, shows you without question, hey, I'm my own creator. I have self-authority and sovereignty and imagination and creativity. I make the rules, even in some of the words that I use, in my own way, on my own terms. How neat is that? And if we can do that, what else can we do? It would be interesting to see that once you invent your word, start using it, maybe use it around your family or colleagues, explain it. I don't know, you may not even need to explain that you came up with it. "Ah, I heard it somewhere. See how fast it uh, catches on even in a little circle of yours. This is another thing that I find amazing. I think I'm going to end with this. Uh, how things catch on and how people are so uh, habituated to copying, let's just say, parroting one another. Let me use this little example. And then we'll, we'll close out with this. I, uh, a lot of you know, I love to garden, but I also love home and garden. I love decorating and th- that's kind of my little hobby that I enjoy doing. I watch HGTV, admittedly, not all the time, but when I when I don't want to be so serious and I want to just get into my creative mode. There's certain shows that I like to watch, but I have to tell you folks and you know, being a journalist and uh, being very cognizant of language and and behavior in people it's just in my blood. I'm constantly just assessing uh, how people behave in patterns. And using this example, I want to, uh, and for those of you that maybe watch HGTV or other uh, decorating lifestyle shows, you'll know what I'm talking about. It never ceases to amaze me. And I'm, I'm either laughing or wanting to cry because people just refuse to go off the script. These are people typically that I'm speaking of that are going to be uh, maybe buying a new home or renovating their home, whatever. And here's what they will say invariably. Oh, I, I want an open floor plan. I can't stand, you know, boxy spaces. It has to be an open floor plan because I like to entertain and I like to be able to interact with my guests while I'm preparing food. Or here's another one. Oh, looking at a house. This place, this room is awful. It has carpet everywhere. I absolutely have to have hardwood floors. Or my must haves on my list are stainless steel and granite in the kitchen. Gotta have stainless steel and granite. And then lastly, and there are others, but these are the ones that come up over and over and over again. There's one more that, that just came to mind that I'll, that I'll share with you. Does it have a man cave? <laughs> and this one in particular, both cracks me up and makes me sad. Because if you really look into what the inference is here, talk about words and language being used against certain groups and population at large, you could argue that the male, who at one point was portrayed among other things as strong and masculine, has now been relegated to a caveman, someone who's only fit for the basement. And I have to tell you, when people come to our home we have a downstairs area that's finished that I call the media room for obvious reasons. And people will come and say, oh, look at this man cave. It's beautiful. I said, do not call this a man cave. Everything has to have a label, a designation. Again, because they were told to, because that's part of the list. It's really something to me that people just repeat, 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 without even thinking about it. Those words that I read to you, some many of them on that list are words that spread like wildfire because people have this habituation for repetition, never once thinking there's anything outside of the list of what has been given to them. So we're really talking about a couple of things here. We're talking about uh, a pre-established list. And if you go off that list, as Neil says in the interview, you have failed. Empire wants to make it that way. God forbid you go off the multiple choice. They're giving you multiple choices what's to complain about. That's ridiculous. So that's one thing. The list, pick from the list. Don't even think there's anything outside of it. Nothing to see here. And the other is the repet- uh, the repetition or the parroting of the words that have been established put on that list by the masses without even thinking of it. Here's another one. You talk about man cave. I can't stand that word. Uh, you know, I think more of of uh, a people, but I think ma- more of uh, our strong males. My husband <laughs> does not live in a man cave. It's really something. Anyway, I'm not going to st- get stuck on that. Now we've got a new word. Have you heard? She shed. I think there's a commercial that uh, of a woman who uh, it's, it's a commercial about some food that she snack food that she likes. And she goes into her she shed and blah, blah, blah. So before you know it, everyone will be saying that if, if not already. So I say, toss those, use them if you want. Sometimes they're fun. And I look there, there are a few words and expressions that I will use that I find apropos, (laughs) depending on the mood, like what I use a lot these days is really, like, really? (laughs) That to me, for some reason works that expression of really, are you kidding? You can laugh at it, but at least have an understanding of how this all works, and know that you do not have to use that language because they put it out because your friends and family use it. Who cares? Use your own. Uh, make up your own word or two, throw it into the mix. Let me know what happens there. And what I would love to hear what words you come up with in the meaning. Let's let's make that the challenge for, for uh, for the time being. And see what happens. Again, I think it can be a fun and very powerful exercise, if nothing but to show yourself what you're capable of and how important what you create and bring to this world is always. There was one other thing I wanted to share with you, but it's slipped my mind. So I think I'm going to close for now. I'm going to leave you with a quote that I uh, recorded for my Facebook page. Uh, In the same vein, really looking at the importance of the individual walk, the sovereign journey, which can be lonely at times. And now more than ever, why it's time to zoom out, step back, sit down and think about why it's important to reclaim that. So I'm going to leave it there. Uh, We'll see you, of course, next week. We'll have Neil Kramer back with us and uh, we'll continue with more conscious commentary coming up for you. But in the meantime, here is a gift that I believe you can share with the world. Listen to this. There are so many people on this planet who appear to be irrevocably fractured. It's hard to imagine any sort of mass spiritual epiphany. And yet, Just by virtue of your choosing a path of individuality, of sovereignty, of creativity, imagination, and self-authority, just by choosing to walk it day by day, you can rouse the sleeping to their feet. By virtue of your walk, you will remind them that they too have the choice to awaken, and resume the journey that has always been theirs, if they so choose. So carry on. Design your own journey. Walk your own path. Live your own life on your own terms. This is the greatest gift you can give to the world.